time to show the world that top is what I strive for. Greatness is a journey I'm willing to strive for. Consistency is key and I don't take no time off. Against the odds, I put it all on the line for. A lesson learned for every flaw I'm gonna make. Consequence I undertake. Putting all my trust and faith. Failure won't become my fate. Ten toes down, I never fall. Give it all to reach my goal. That's my name is Stone, but my story's told. I want to talk about your approach to coming up with ideas because you have a newsletter where your job is to come up with great ideas and this yeah. is not trivial, right? Lots of people are struggling to come up with even one good idea and you're um, coming up with one or even more great ideas on a weekly basis. So I'm very curious how systematic you are, if it's just random ideas that come to your mind or if there's a process you have developed. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a really good question. So I've got like a not satisfying answer and one that's maybe a little bit more tactical. So the unsatisfying answer is that I think when you're exposed to like so many entrepreneurs and people working on things and you're just constantly inundated with it, you end up just getting better at, it's like a muscle. You end up just getting better at coming up with good ideas because you see what's possible. You see what other people are doing. Part of the reason why like, brand new entrepreneurs were just sort of starting their journey had such a hard time is because I think that they don't even know what's all possible and what like they could be building or what sort of problems do exist. So that's like the, well, how do you get better at that? Like, right, like, do you just spend more time with it? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. The other thing that I would say, maybe the two other things are, one, this is pretty common knowledge in the entrepreneurial world and it's sort of talked about a lot, but like truly it needs to stem from a problem. I would say 90% of cool businesses that I come up with stem from a problem. Sometimes it's more desire focused. Like the classic example is like video games. Like video games do really fucking well. I mean, it's a hard business, but you can still make money. But like, that's not a problem, right? Nobody's like, oh, I wish I could shoot more bad guys. That's not where it's coming from a different place, right? Personally, I don't really like businesses like that. I think they're harder. I mean, it takes a lot more like technical chops to just blow people away. Yeah, so this this advice is of course repeated over and over again. Everyone is saying this, as you as you mentioned, and right. so I, I have a little problem with this strategy personally because isn't it possible to rephrase everything as a problem? So even like video games are solving a problem because people are bored, and you make them less bored. Right. I think that's a fair that's a fair critique. I think the way that I would I mean like clothing and video games are the two common ones that come to mind. Where I would sort of push back is that like, how acute is that problem? There's probably, you know, thousands of solutions to this problem. And where you're actually going to have to differentiate is on like, not just actually solving this problem, because at the end of the day, there is solutions to this problem. It's that your solution needs to be like, you need to have like a rock star product in most cases to just out compete everybody else. Where I do think that that there's an interesting sort of vein is if the problem is so underserved or like rather the, the solution to the problem is so underserved that you can differentiate that way. Like, oh shit, there's this like niche thing that nobody's like actually helping people figure out. That That's the angle that I come at. That said, to your point, I do think there's a lot of different ways that you can differentiate and just outcompete. So like having just a unique insight to a problem that nobody's solving, that's one way. I really like that way. The other way is just having a killer distribution strategy. So let's say there's a ton of solutions out there that exist and you know you could choose any one of them, but you actually just have the best uh, marketing strategy. Either you can leverage a big audience or something like that. That's one way to just outcompete. 
Yeah, the um, Mr. Beast burger story, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a perfect one, right? Like, dude, there's so many burger chains out there, but he's just who he is, right? So he's got this huge audience, so he just wins. Or you could be a just stupid good product designer and just make the most amazing products. Like, I mean, I think probably Apple falls in this category. Yeah. Yeah, they do other things really well. But if you can just outcompete everybody on product, you know, so point being there is I think that there's, you know, dozens of ways to actually win at this. I personally have a bend towards looking for interesting problems because I feel that's more of my competitive advantage because I'm not a product designer. I don't do that well. I don't have stupid, great marketing chops, you know, just doing the doing it the way that I do it. I terms of like building a newsletter and stuff. There's definitely people who can outcompete me there. So my differentiator is I want to seek for interesting problems. And I do think that that works best for most people who are new to this. So uh, I think that's why the advice sort of skews that way. Um, but that was a yeah. good point. Yeah. Talked about yeah. like the whole gamut. Yeah. I noticed that in your newsletter in brainstorms, you usually or always, I think, include a pain point, a quote, right? Where someone describes a pain point. So yeah, one cheeky way to go about doing this, and I'll sort of give this away because it's a hard thing to pull off and like it works sometimes and it doesn't. So this, this goes back to your original question of like, how do you find problems? And I figured this out from another guy who published a blog post on it. I could maybe share it in the notes or something. This is the actual gist of it. This is the, the, the whole thing is he was basically saying he sources problems from MTurk. So Amazon Mechanical Turk. And what he does is he has this form, he sends it out, people from around the world, you know, the MTurk workers fill it out. And basically these questions are prompting for problems. So that's one of the ways that I source problems. I will say that it's actually, there's a lot of shit in there. Like 95% of the answers I get are just garbage. So I don't actually know if it's super effective, but some of those quotes are coming from that process, right? So that's like the, the hack of like, oh, here's how you come up with decent problems. But there are also a lot of other frameworks that I use and sort of teach about that also work really well as just like, if you're seeking a problem in a specific space, think about it like this, and that might help uncover something interesting. I wasn't aware of the strategy. I never heard of anyone doing it. And so I, yeah. I would love to dig a bit deeper here. And in particular, so how much money you spent, like um, if there's so much garbage and I have no experience with Amtrak um, at all. And also like how you came up with your questionnaire, with the questions you asked, because this is, I think, an art, right? Asking the right questions. And there's this great book, The Mom Test, and yeah. where the whole point is all these traps you can tap into if you don't know what you're doing when you're asking questions. So I would love to hear more about your questionnaire, how you came up with this, and of course, also how much you are paying. Yeah, for sure. So I don't want to hijack credit for this. I think the guy's name is Justin Vincent. He runs another like boot camp thing for bootstrappers. I think it's called Nugget. So shout out to him. He's the one who came up with this. And he wrote a blog post on it. If you Google it, you can probably find it. So he open sourced his way of like, because he was saying, oh, this is how I find good startup ideas. And he sort of open sourced it. And I took that and sort of ran with it and refined the questions a little bit. I need to find, I don't know exactly what I'm asking, but it's all revolving around like, what are the biggest pain points in your job? And sort of like, what do you do? Why is that frustrating? And like, how do you think that could be solved with software? Or could that be solved with software? So that's sort of the front end. It's not a very detailed, like deep questionnaire. I don't think that's where the sort of magic happens. I actually think it's just a numbers game. 
I don't know that I've worked out the perfect process for upping my like hit rate in the sense of getting good answers, but like the garbage that you get, I think is just true of MTurk in general. It's like inherently there's just a lot of people on there that are just sort of like quantity over quality. And in this case, I really need quality over quantity, which is why MTurk isn't perfect. I, so you had asked how much money have I spent on there? I think I'm in the hundreds of dollars. So it's not crazy. I can get a response for like 20 cents. And there's a few parameters that you need to put on there to like help filter out some of the shitty ones. But that blog post, I think does a good job of outlining everything. Yeah, I just, I just found it though. He put his questionnaires on GitHub. Yep. So that's where I started. I would say that now I've sort of moved away from that. I think it's a really good way to get started. You know, if you want to just start like spending a hundred bucks a week or something, which might even be aggressive, but let's just say if you've got money to blow and you're like, I have no idea how to get good startup ideas, you could do that. But personally, I think there are better ways of coming up with ideas. Because the problem then is you'll get these people who aren't necessarily entrepreneurs, but they're like, they're, they're legitimate problems. But then you still have to do all the backend research, research of like, you know, is there solutions to this? Why are the solutions not adequate? Like, did you actually go try to solve this? Which is usually where it starts to break down, right? Uh, and that's why it gets kind of iffy and murky. Yeah, I remember from reading the mom test that this is like the most important question you have to ask. What did you already do to try to right. solve the problem, right? And oftentimes it turns out, yeah, actually nothing or just a little bit Googling, whatever. And then the problem is not important enough, right? Exactly. That's, that's where the heart of it all comes down to is like, what solutions have you tried? And if it's nothing, then it's like, well, how big of a problem is it, right? Like not to get real like theoretical, but like, this is the place where maybe if you just have a killer distribution channel and you can get to like this mass market of people who like, oh shit, I happen to have this problem and catch them before they like go search. Maybe you can make a business. But to me, that seems like a way harder path than getting like die hard, like I need a solution to this thing, find those people. That's what I would do. Yeah, I love it. And I will definitely try this. So just to see, just to see how it works. And yeah. I, I have like a whole database of tactics people use to come up with product ideas. And this one was actually missing. So thanks for nice. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank Justin for it. But yeah, I'm glad I could shout it out. Okay, then I would love to t talk about specific ideas because you mentioned you have like a whole lot of them that you've never published. Here's one that I really like, but I don't know if it's technically possible. And I might write about this later. So here's the sort of preview. You're familiar with like Hotjar or Lucky Orange. Sure. They work great for websites. And I really love some of the sort of analytics I can get from using them and just seeing user behavior. I have now sort of moved away from driving all of traffic to my website. Well, traffic still goes to my website, but that's not where most of my subscribers are hanging out, right? Where most of my subscribers are hanging out is in my email and when I send them an email. So what I would love is to have the same kind of insights that Hotjar gives me on my email. So even if it's like, I think MailChimp does like these like click maps, I'm like, that's fine. I, I know what people are clicking, but what I actually want to know is how far down are they reading? Which parts are they reading? And I think there's some UX study that shows that when people read, a big majority of them are like using their mouse as like a guide to help them go through. So I know they can't use eye tracking. It just isn't there yet. It's all based on your like mouse heat map. 
if there was some tool that allowed me to just put in some JavaScript or whatever it is to have that sort of information on my email, I would 100% pay for that. Yeah, it sounds like an amazing idea, but also a little bit like spyware. That's the question. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> where does it fall in terms of like, is it possible? Are we infringing on people's privacy? All of that. Yeah, you've probably heard about the outrage, the superhuman features, I think it was because they were tracking like these open rates, whatever, different kind of metrics related to the emails you send. And it was a standard feature and now they had to turn it off and opt in. And so people are very yeah, sensitive when it comes to these issues. But of course, um, from a business point of view, it would be amazing. But the obvious difficulty is that people are not reading emails on your site. So you don't have control over a lot of stuff. And I don't think you can send uh, over JavaScript that gets executed, right? Because then emails <laughs> could be hacked immediately. That would be a huge security hole, I think. But still, given that people are able to track stuff, at least like open uh, rates and click rates, whatever, maybe, yeah, you, I think you need a really smart idea to, to pull this off. So as you said, the technical risk is there, the market risk isn't, right? It's just a matter of figuring it out. If you can't figure it out, you will make a lot of money. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I mean, and maybe the, the crux of it is like, this is a solution, but at the end of the day, if we were to backtrack, my problem is that I really want to know, are people just opening my emails just to clear them from their inbox? Like I do that shit all the time where I'm got all these emails. I click on one just to like get it read. So I don't see that little number. And I want to sort of parse out the people who are actually reading from those who are just like quickly trying to get to, you know, I don't know, inbox zero or whatever, or just to, just to get the notification away and what my read time actually is. And, you know, if we could go really deep, like which parts are people reading, which ones are they not reading? Are they just sort of like perusing and skimming it or are they, you know, reading the whole thing? So any tool that gives me that sort of data, that would be super interesting because like, it's like my business now. It's like, I need to know this shit. <laughs> yeah. And what people currently are doing, like this is also what people always say that you have to look for workarounds, right? And right. the people are using really awkward workarounds currently, like these smileys at the bottom. Did, did you like this email? Or right. just a Google form, well, who, whoever fills that out. And the usual problem you have with questionnaires that only a specific type of person ever clicks on these buttons or fills out the questionnaire. So it's not representative of your readership. So totally. Yeah, I love that idea. <laughs> I think a lot of, and as newsletter creators sort of keep coming up and creators in general, I think just the idea is more analytics that are actually meaningful would be great. So that's the one. Do you want to keep going? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Here's one that I really like. And again, I've been thinking about writing about this, but I need to do a little more research on it. I like this idea of just Substack for texting. Let me put it this way. The more deep I'm getting into like online communities and sort of consuming information, I see groups and people trying to shift towards doing SMS sort of marketing, not just e-commerce companies, like as a way to sort of keep up with their fans and send sort of like daily little nuggets, right? I've only subscribed to like one or two and I'm not sure how they manage it. I haven't gotten that deep yet. But for me, I can totally see where that makes a lot of sense for a creator because they're like, I, I don't, I think the open rates on text messages are like 98% or something. It's like stupid, right? The challenge is of course that people are way more protective of like what goes into their text messages because it, I think this is sort of like 
the final frontier, if you will, of like, we are protecting this shit. This is like ours. And they don't necessarily want this to become a marketing engine for companies, right? When I do get marketing stuff from companies through SMS, I get frustrated. I unsubscribe. Like, I'm not about that. But if I'm intentionally opting into something that isn't just you sending me coupons, and it's another way for you to sort of communicate with me, I see that as being super interesting. There's influencers that are doing this. I think that's where I see it most frequently is like, you know, shoot me a text. I saw like Jake Paul or something was doing this, but I don't know what runs the back end and how that happens. So the idea is if you're bullish on text message being a way that content creators stay in touch with their fans or creators in general, I think that there could be a super easy platform that makes managing the whole like campaign side of it really, really easy. Yeah, that's, this is such a strange topic for me because I know that there is some buzz around SMS marketing. Right. And I personally know nothing about it because I can't remember the last time I sent an SMS or read an SMS. So maybe it's just a European thing that we don't have that here. What are you using over in Europe? WhatsApp. <laughs> okay. But, so there's a tons of WhatsApp groups that are, I'm a part of a couple. Again, I don't think WhatsApp or text message is a very good platform for groups because inherently, I think they're just meant for one-to-one -one communication, right? You have these conversations that just get immediately buried. They're not threaded in any way. So I, I don't know that sort of, I see these people taking groups to like Telegram and WhatsApp. I've never actually used Telegram, so I don't know what the layout is, but for WhatsApp, it isn't a great experience for me as a group member, but it could be cool for just like one-off, like, hey, here's something interesting for today. It's like a one-way channel. Yeah, Telegram actually, they have not just groups, but actually channels where you can just subscribe and it's just one person pushing the content to you. It all already works in Telegram. Yeah, Telegram has an awesome ecosystem. Also, you can do all kinds of crazy stuff with bots. And, and of course, like the issue you mentioned, that group messaging in these big groups simply doesn't work. And it's exactly the same on Discord or whatever people are using. Slack in these huge groups simply doesn't work, at least for me. But yeah, that's a, that's a separate issue and definitely a problem we're solving, I think. But right. coming back to the whole SMS issue, so... I said that it's a bit strange because SMS is, of course, so old, right? It, it, it started there. And whereas like all the other stuff is now miles ahead, it's lagging behind. So the, the real question probably is, is it currently only working because no one is doing it, right? You have like this novelty factor that no one is sending you SMS and that's why the open rate is so great. And then what are the advantages over like using a Telegram channel or WhatsApp? channel if something yeah. like this exists i don't know and and i don't know what all of like this is these are great questions i don't know what the stats are in terms of like telegram users versus like sms users versus whatsapp users like being in the us i know that you know texting is the way that we do things we know i mean we don't really use whatsapp unless like i use whatsapp because my girlfriend's in spain right now so that's what we use uh, so i know it's way bigger overseas But yeah, that's a good question is that like, is actually SMS the way of the past? And we're moving into more modern ways of sending these like short form messages to one another. If you think that, then uh, this probably isn't the right business to build. But also, as I'm even saying that, not doing any research on this, there could definitely be an opportunity to just create Substack for 
short form, like text message-esque services, right? So whether that be Telegram or WhatsApp, in the same way that, that Substack made it incredibly easy to start like a paid community in like the email space, I think that a tool that could do that in like the WhatsApp space or Telegram space or SMS space, whichever one that you're like most interested in, um, that could be interesting. Because I have to imagine setting up the infrastructure for that isn't super easy. It might not be incredibly difficult, but you're probably cobbling together a few different tools. And if you could just make that like turnkey, that's where I think the value is. I say all of this not having never done it, so I don't actually know, but it's an interesting thing that is worth exploring. Yeah, definitely. So I know that Telegram sent out a message that they now have like 500 million users. It's not that small anymore, but of course, WhatsApp is much bigger. And yeah. I think that what you described, like a substack for Telegram channels would be pretty easy to build because the ecosystem is so open and people can actually subscribe. Like the tech is already there. Whereas with SMS, how do people actually opt in, right? Privacy, I don't know, spam laws, right. it gets murky. That's another one where like, you know, privacy is questionable on like how you send things and what all happens there. Do your do research on that, of course. Like that could be the reason why it doesn't work. But based on what I've seen, I think that there are ways around it if you put the proper sort of opt-in forms and make sure you're getting all the consent that you need. But that 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 seems like another interesting one that I would push people to pursue, look at. I'm probably gonna keep digging into it. And if it's interesting, you might see it in one of the, the newsletters. I'll dive deeper in it. Yeah, I think it it must be doable if all the influencers are already doing it, right? So it must be That's somewhat legal. <laughs> That's a good way to think about it, right? Like somebody's pulling this off and I've never subscribed to one of theirs, but I see it all the time. They'll be like, I'm bored, text me. And it's like, you know, they have 5 million subscribers. It's like, dude, you're not bored. This is another marketing play, which is cool. Like make your money. But there's some infrastructure that's powering that. And if that's difficult to set up, which is probably the question, like, is this actually a hard thing to do? You know, then there might be an opportunity. Yeah. So what else have you got? So... This is again, like half-baked ideas. So I, I, I'm just gonna keep hedging that way. Something that I do that I wish was automated and I haven't searched a ton for a tool. I've kind of like briefly looked and I haven't really found anything. So with minimal effort, nothing came up. But something, a, a workflow that I do every single week is on Sundays, I look through my subscriber list and I find five to 10 people who are my most engaged subscribers. So metrics I'm using there is basically just open rates and click-through rates. And if they're above, it's like an 80% threshold, then they're interesting to me. What I want to do with those people is I want to actually talk to them and do like user interviews. Like, hey, you are a super fan. A, how do I find more people like you? Because if I could have everyone be as gauged as you, like my business would be dope. Or B, what do you like? What don't you like? Like, how can I make this better for you? Because this is, you're hungry for this content, Right. So this is all a manual process for me, right? I need to send them a one-off email, you know, from my account. I need to send them the Calendly link. It gets scheduled and then it gets sort of put on my Google Calendar. And that doesn't even account for any follow-ups that I do, which would be another tool that is like Boomerang or something. So again, cobbling these tools together and it's not the most difficult process, but if somebody would automate that for me, right? Like I just set up a way where it's like, hey, find users that match these parameters, send them an email, and then basically the email saying, hey, book a call with me. If they don't respond in three days, send them a quick follow-up that says, hey, would still love to chat with you. You know, 
use the link above the schedule. That would be, that would again, be a tool that I would pay for. Not a lot. It'd probably be like, you know, five, 10 bucks a month, but it would keep me from forgetting to do that, which happens sometimes. And just having to manage it and be like, fuck, did I send my follow-up? No, I got to do this. It's just kind of a pain in the ass right now. Yeah. Sounds, sounds great. And the approach alone, I've never thought about it, but makes, it makes perfect sense. I only saw like yesterday a tweet where I think Ryan Kolb shared a screenshot of an email from John O'Nolan, the creator of the ghost, where it was basically an email from him, which said, Hey, we saw that you are one of the most active trial users that are something along these lines. And Ryan was um, asking Cheeking Tong, um, do you think that's, honest marketing. But I think the strat the general strategy that John is using is the same, right? So yep. I've of course no idea how, how they are doing it. And he replied that it's actually based on user metrics it's because it, at first you can think it's maybe it's yeah the usual trick that they sent it to everyone. And this is what Ryan was suspecting because he only clicked around twice or whatever. But it sounds like a really smart thing. And now that you've said it, I will definitely try that myself. No, it's great. And like the feedback I've gotten, like just from a tactic standpoint alone, like not even talking about like building a tool for it. I, I think every single founder should do it, right? And I even did it a little bit later than I should have. I just started this like a month ago. But the information that I've gotten has given me so much clarity on direction that, that the newsletter should take that... It's really valuable. And this isn't just applicable to newsletters. That's maybe the other thing worth mentioning is that if you're running any sort of business and, and it probably works even better for like SaaS companies, right? Because they're actually paying you money for like this thing. Do it. I, I always skew towards like, go get your answers from your customers. And this is the best way to do it because these are your super fans. And, you know, they most times want to talk to you because they actually like the thing that you're putting out. They think it's kind of cool. Like, oh, the creator wants to chat with me. And I do. So More people should do it in general, but it would be hopefully like more popular if it was easier to do. So maybe one of the challenges is, is this such a novel approach to like doing things, which I don't think it's like crazy novel, but is it too small of a market that actually implements this tactic that building a tool to make that tactic easier isn't really worth it, right? Are you gonna have to pioneer this idea and educate the market on like, you should be doing this probably to some degree, But I don't love that out of the gate, right? Like you want a thing that's like a popular problem that people are already doing, not like, yeah, like, you know, a few people do this, but I'm going to have to like educate people on why they should do this and then get them to use my solution. That's sort of a harder business to build. Yeah, that's too expensive for a small guy. Exactly. Right? Coca-Cola can do that. <laughs> yeah. But if you're just trying to build a small SaaS tool, I can totally see that being, you know, a few thousand dollars a month and you know, recurring revenue. So that's me just sort of pulling out of my ass. I don't actually know how big it is, but I could, it seems like a big enough problem to where you could make a little bootstrap like lifestyle company out of for sure. Yeah. So at first I thought that just one of the email companies should do it. It sounds like a feature, not like a product, like ConvertKit totally. or whatever. It should simply have a feature because they have everything already in place. The data, the technology to send emails, to schedule, I don't know. So... <laughs> And the question, of course, is why they haven't done it. And maybe it's worth looking at the roadmaps of the most popular ones to see if something like this is on the, or maybe one of them already does it. I haven't looked super deep into that either, but that, that for sure, like if you are somebody who wants to do this, that is a, a question that is worth getting an answer to. Because to me, it seems like a no brainer. And typically if it's like so obvious, somebody should have done this, 
there's oftentimes a reason that somebody hasn't. It's not always the case, but it is worth going into it with an eye for skepticism of like, ah, why, why are we not doing this already? That'll help you sort of get the hard, unhappy things that you don't want to learn out of the way early on. Yeah. And you have like also the risk that if it really turns out to be popular, then all the email providers will recognize this, right? And they will just include it as a feature. There's definitely a risk with this idea, but uh, still doesn't mean that no one should be doing it. <laughs> In particular, if really no good solution exists yet. Right. Yeah. So I like that one too. You want another one? Sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw a curveball in here. So it's an idea and then an idea that came from this idea. So it's like a twofer. So the first one, I really think either you or, or somebody should take all of the information like that you sort of curated in Product Explorer. There's another guy that did that, like Validated Ideas 2.0. And they could make a whole newsletter off of businesses that are dead and you should buy or businesses that have really shitty product reviews and that you should just go sort of make a clone of that are, are already doing, that have validated the market that there's a need for this, but they're just not executing properly, right? You could make a whole newsletter off of that. If you're looking at like, I want something to create and I'm into entrepreneurial stuff, I see that as a gap in the market. I think you should do that actually, Jacob, but- um, Yeah, so I, I, I will do it. <laughs> I will, yeah, I will just cut it out here so no one got sent, gonna steal it. I totally agree. So do that. So, okay, then here's the idea that sprouted from that idea. There's a, a company that I found and like I was holding this in my back pocket because I'm like, fuck, I kind of want to buy this thing and like do something with it. But I know myself and I'm probably not going to, and I don't even know if it's for sale. It's called Sidemail, mail.com, I think. Yeah. As far as I know, it's defunct. Like it, it doesn't work, but I am in love with the idea. Uh, so I don't know how it works technically, but this is a problem that I have as a maker all the freaking time. So I go and I start a new project and then I'm like, well, I want to look legitimate. So I need to go get an email, like an at whatever my domain name is address. So like, I look like the part, right? So I'm not using my Gmail or some other address. And I want to sort of like keep that reputation, right? That's like, oh, I'm the founder. It costs money, right? Like G Suite for a basic account is like six bucks a month. And it, it adds up, right? If you're yeah, it doing up. it exactly. for every project. To do this, I need to, so... At one point I had like four or five different emails that I'm running and like, this sucks. Like it's expensive and it's kind of difficult to like, it's not that difficult to set up, but it's just kind of a pain. It's like every single time. And now if you have other people on the team, it also sort of like is a problem. Anyway, side mail, they're basically solving this saying, I, and I don't know technically how they do it, but it's like, you can have one sort of aggregated inbox and just have all of these different at domains and they charge one sort of monthly fat, flat rate. This is a business that it did really well on Product Hunt. I think it got over like a thousand upvotes. It was number something of the week or month or whatever. So to me, it probably got a very big surge of users early on. And as far as I know, it doesn't like, it doesn't work anymore. The website's still live. I've tried to sign up. You can't sign up. It's basically like, oh, our databases are having a problem. We'll get back to you soon. I've tried like every week for a couple of weeks, nothing. I've emailed the founder, said, hey, is this still a thing? Does hasn't emailed me back. So as far as I know, this tool doesn't work. I've had other people try to sign up just to see like, is this thing a thing? And this is one of those, those projects that I would be like, damn, I'm interested in buying something like that. And it could just be because personally I have this problem and there's like an affinity towards the solution of like, this feels useful. But I think they've got on paper a lot of the, 
uh, characteristics, right? It seems like a really easy tech thing to like keep up with. It got really, really good traction early on on Product Hunt. And my assumption is the dude that built it just, he has other things going on in his life, right? Like he's probably a maker, likes tinkering, got some traction with it, was like, ah, I don't know how to grow this thing and just sort of let it go. Yeah, I love it. I've got an idea off of this idea. So like now we're going like three levels deep <laughs> off idea of an idea. So I imagine some of your listeners also listen to the My First Million podcast. Um, uh, I really love it. So you might've recently seen that Sean was like, hey, I'm going to buy this company and hire an operator. Like, it's like, I don't know what his, his monetary limit was, but it was like, let's call it 25K or something. He's like, I'm going to spend 25K, buy one of these, like, I don't know if it was a defunct product company or like a Chrome extension, but like purchase up a little business, I think maybe on micro acquire and then hire an operator to run it. Cool. He got a ton of traction off of that. I am a listener. I think they're even talking about it on their podcast they just released today. Haven't listened to it yet, so I don't know what the status of that is. Regardless, what I think would be super interesting is, so you'd mentioned like a fund, this is what sort of sparked this idea, is taking like the accelerator model and flipping it on its head. So rather than go fund entrepreneurs with ideas or maybe a little bit of traction, you're a company that buys up these small, like micro SaaS and maybe they could be bigger. So maybe there's a, a thesis here that like you need to buy a business that could be, you know, a hundred million dollar company that just haven't executed on well and then hire operators to run those businesses and you take a portion of the equity. And here's why I love that. So I'm super deep in the accelerator space. It's like how I pay my bills. I just do consulting. And one of the biggest issues that the non like YC or, uh, uh, Techstars or 500, like these brand, like household name accelerators that attract the best companies. The problem that if you're not them, you're kind of getting shit. Like I'm just being honest, like your applicant pool isn't going to be like stellar because people who are stellar are just going to go there. It's kind of the same with colleges, right? Like you can get into Harvard, you're going to go to Harvard, you know, in most cases. So what happens is you get a lot of these accelerators that crop up more for economic development purposes in their local region than for like, we're going to get a billion dollar outcome here, which is fine. I have no problem with that. I think it's, it's interesting. I think it's still playing out on if that actually works or not, but something that I think I would do if I was starting up an accelerator or even running one right now is try this out, right? You have all these people coming to, into these like non, you know, top 10 accelerators with like ideas and a small amount of traction, but they're like really smart operators and they're like usually interesting people, but they just haven't quite figured it out yet. Rather than hoping that they come up with the idea and figure it out that way. If you have somebody who's just like really smart and wants to build a business rather than investing 50 K in their like idea that maybe has no traction, buy them an idea or buy them a, a, a company that has traction, that has legs, that's proven out and let them be the operator for it. And if that's what, you, if your goal is to do um, economic development, to me, that seems like a much more viable way to create jobs than hoping that this idea with very little traction that might be a moonshot actually takes off. It's a little bit more of a measured approach where we're taking small steps rather than swinging for the fences. But all of that to say, I the, the, the distilled version of all of that, the short version is, I think buying a business and hiring an operator using this sort of like, accelerator model and then putting them through like a three month boot camp and helping them run it. I think that's a really interesting, interesting way of potentially getting a good return, but also for economic development. That's an absolutely amazing idea. 
I think about that just because of the space I'm in, but like, that would be, I would jump all over that as a person who wants to run a company, right? Like, I don't know that I've got the best side. Like the irony is I write about ideas, right? But it's like, there's only a few of them that I actually want to pursue. But like, if I could just get a business that was already had traction and I could just be the operator and sort of like learn how to knock out of the park, that would be amazing. Or even college courses doing this, right? Like shit. Like if I was in like a college course and even having to team up with five other people and you know, they're like, Hey, here's, here's a business that we just bought for five grand. You guys go figure out how to operate it and run it. Like that would be the best life lesson for how to actually build something in today's age than any other class that I've ever taken. I think there is like, I think that model is super interesting if you can put some structure around it and it isn't just like this one-off thing. I totally agree. And I live in a small town here in Germany. And of course we, we have these institutions that try to play the same game, like the big guys, exactly what you mentioned. Like there's for startups and they try to provide like co-working spaces and also funding. And I, not, not too often, but a few times I went to these events and it was always a bit ridiculous, I would say, because um, it's so obvious that it will never play out what they are pursuing because they are just playing the startup game. They are not really doing what, what has a real chance at success, at least in my opinion. And so far, nothing ever that came out of that as far right. as I'm aware. So yeah, starting with something real and let people grow it, learn from there. And like, it's, it doesn't even cost more. That's the amazing thing, but right. uh, it makes perfect sense. And I'm not sure why no one has done it yet. I don't either. And like, I don't know. I, I don't either. And you know, in Sean's case, he has a big following. So I think that's partially why it sort of blew up in the way that it did. But I like that idea a lot. I would, if somebody wants to do that and I, and I can help in any way, shape or form, I would be happy to, to assist in that. Cause I think it's just such a cool idea. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just thinking about it, how much money at, here in Germany, for example, is spent on startup stuff and almost nothing comes out of it. And if you would like take a tiny fraction of that and pursue the model you described, you would get so much more out of it. That's yeah, I mean, 100% true. Like just yeah. so people know, just for the operations, we're not even talking about the fund itself. It's somewhere in the ballpark of like 300 grand for a year. Like, like that's on the low end for sure. Like just to, to staff the, the managing director, the program manager, any of the associates that are there, plus all the space, you're like looking at like a minimum of like 300 to 350. If you're running pretty lean, And then you have the fund, right? That's like, sometimes they're intertwined, sometimes they're not. But then, you know, you're still investing, you know, 50 to 100K, sometimes a little bit lower, but like on average, right around 50K in these companies. And yeah, if you're not getting the results, like change it, right? Like don't just keep doing the same shit because it's just not working. You know, do some experimentation with that. Absolutely, so, yeah. That's really that's great a, idea. That's another one that I'm, I'm pretty bullish on, but yeah. Do we have time for one more or? I would love to hear another one. This is an interesting one that I saw. I think there's a solution to it, but it doesn't, I don't know how well it works. It seems like they're not really focused on this specific problem. It's like partially what they do. Okay. I saw this on Reddit. So I'll shout out the guy who, who talked about it, but it's just going to be his Reddit username. So it's probably not much of a shout out. Oh, uh, well, maybe it is his actual name. Matthew Lee Hess. I don't know if it's Matthew Lee Hess or Matthew Lee Hess, but that's who he is on Reddit. So shout out to him. He was asking this question that sort of 
he turned into like what he would do for a solution. But the question was, he runs an e-commerce store. I don't, I think it works for any store, but he runs an e-commerce store. And what he wanted to know was, is there an easy way to search my database of customers and match that up with people who are potentially influencers in my space? Because these seem like layups in the sense of getting like a branded shout out, right? If they already use my product and I'm not coming from a place of like, please use my thing when like talk, talk about it. And it's like, oh, you already like this and you're already using it. I would love to know how to like find those people in my database and then go reach out to them and like sync up and have a, an easy sort of brand shout out. And I love this idea. So I did a little bit of research and the only company that I found, and you know, if somebody finds something else, just like PM me or email me or whatever, is like, I think it's called Caro, C-A-R-R-O. I think that's how you pronounce it. They do a lot of other things, but one of the things that they apparently help you do is like track mentions of your brand and stuff like that, which is a little bit different to help you sort of find influencers and people who are influential to do brand partnerships with. So I like that idea, but I don't know that they are, are doing it in the way of just like sort of looking through your database and lining it up somehow with potential influencers. And even just a simple plugin like that for Shopify seems like a really, really easy solution that, you know, I would personally, because I, I got kind of deep in the e-commerce space uh, for a couple of years, I would have paid for that. I would have paid five, 10 bucks a month just to get pinged. Like, hey, this person checked out and it looks like they might be some sort of an influencer. Challenges that I think it only makes sense when you're at a certain scale, right? Like if you're a small store, like your hit rate on that is going to be super fucking low and you're going to be like, this isn't worth it. But I think there are a lot of companies that are doing and moving a lot of inventory and have a lot of customers that it would be interesting if, you, if there was a way to line that up. Now, privacy, again, might be an issue. I don't actually know if like you could do that. I think you can, but that would be an interesting uh, idea as a little widget for Shopify that somebody could build. Yeah, so I actually saw your Reddit post about it, but just now it clicked because previously you talked about like the most active users and you reach out to them and now it's like the most famous users and then you yeah, reach out I to them. It the wrong way. That's what I'm thinking. The most famous is the right way to look at it. Yeah, and just as you talked about it, I had this light bulb going on above my head because even though I don't have that much customers, there are a few pretty famous ones among them. And I really noticed this accidentally. So I went through like my, my database of people who bought my product and saw, oh, okay, <laughs> that's crazy. Like really um, guys with at least what I think are some of the biggest blogs in the world. And I didn't have the idea that I should say, hey, <laughs> you want to do anything? Did you do it like that? Just reach out to them. And as before, like not just doing it with the most active people, but also with the most famous people is alone a perfect idea. It's obvious once you heard it, but <laughs> you still you need to have that idea. And then, of course, if you're able to build a little tool around it to make it easier for people, that sounds a huge, like a huge opportunity, especially given that the Shopify app ecosystem is working so well, right? Because there are people who are making a lot of money. And I think it would be much easier than what you previously described because everyone is using like a different email provider. So you would need to focus on one and yeah, right. it becomes a bit difficult. But you even have like these huge databases of influencers that you can leverage in order to build this product. You can just pay for the API, right? And then this people have already figured it out and like everyone is using the same database. 
from what I've heard. So I don't think it would be difficult and I don't think it would be illegal because I mean, you have your customer data, why shouldn't you be allowed to reach out to them? Yeah, I think that, that, that you're probably in the clear there. But yeah, that would just be like influencer marketing anymore. We can all agree it is effective, like it works. And this seems like the best way because the problem is that I have, and I've like worked with the influencers a lot and they're just a pain in the ass, man. Like the, the power dynamic is completely off, right? Cause you're like, please use my product. And they're like, I don't need you. Cause I've got, you know, 10 other people who emailed me today asking the same thing. And this at least sets you apart in a way where it's like, I'm not necessarily asking you to use my product because you already use it. And if I'm doing my job as a sort of merchant, I'm giving you a good product. So you should be willing to talk about it, right? And that to me aligns the, the motivations a lot better, right? Like I'm just asking you to talk about a product that you already use and like. That's way easier than to get you to like use a new product, hope that you like it, and then talk about it. Especially if they weren't going to be a customer before. Like it's sort of like they're not your, your customer and, and it just doesn't fit quite as nicely. So yeah, that to me also feels like it alleviates a problem that I think a lot of people have when they're doing influencer marketing attempts. It's just hard to work with them. They're just not the most pleasant people. Yeah, it checks definitely all the boxes. Like it's a real problem and it's a win-win for, for all parties involved. So someone should definitely build it. And I think there are so much opportunities because we have only talked about Shopify, but you can also do it for Gumroad, right? And exactly. whatever. Yeah. For Build Stripe, full, of course. Whatever, yeah, processor or sort of platform. And I like that. Yeah. So it's got me excited. Now I'm like, fuck, I need to build some of these ideas. <laughs> That's the goal. And I, I really took a few notes here. So just as we talked, and I will definitely use a few of the things you mentioned. So yeah. thank you so much for uh, taking the time. This is super fun, man. Like literally, I think I mentioned it last time. My list is up to, I don't know, there's holes in the spreadsheet, but somewhere in the realm of about 200 ideas I've got here. Not all of them are great, right? Like I've like skimmed through some of them like, eh, I don't love that. But I've got a lot of them and I try to just talk about the best ones. So if you're ever looking for like, you know, more of these kind of ideas, I'm always happy to come back. Yes, definitely. So it's, it's, it's really funny because um, I started the podcast, of course, to talk about product ideas. And in the beginning, I reached out to people asking, hey, we both bring lists with ideas and then we talk about it. But just as it happens is that we only talk about the guests' ideas. I, I simply stopped preparing like my idea list. So in the beginning for the first episode, I had like my list ready and we sure. simply never talked about them. And I think that's perfectly fine because this is just how it works. This person is here just once and I'm here all the time. So <laughs> it makes, of course, perfect sense. But yeah, I too have like the, the, the biggest list of product ideas because when I started my bootstrap MBA learning experiment, I did exactly what you mentioned that training this idea muscle is something you have to simply have to do, right? So I try to write down product ideas each day and now I have a huge list and it's growing, it's growing. So yeah, I definitely would love to talk to you again. I want to hear your ideas, man. That's, that's where I like, even if you did like a solo pod where you just start rid like rattling off some of your uh, <laughs> ones, that's what I'm all about. Like any podcast that gives out more ideas, obviously I have a vested interest in coming up with good ideas, but I, I don't know, man, there's, I haven't been able to find a podcast that like the My First Million podcast or like anything else that they're actually coming with interesting ideas and like brainstorming about them. So I see that as like a huge opportunity where I, I mean, 
some people would say content is like a winner take all market. I don't actually agree. I think that content for sure is like, I don't just consume one thing. I consume all the things if I'm interested in it. Yeah. Right. So to me, there's, there's room for everybody. And even if you just sort of like took this podcast and was like, and we're like, I'm just going to do more product ideas and just keep it super idea focused. That would be, I think an interesting path, even though there's people, you know, there's like, there's, you know, Sean and Sam that are doing that already, but yeah. So, and like, like last time we wanted to talk about product ideas, but then this is also the other problem that I have that each time a new guest comes on, you have to talk a little bit about his background at least, right. or usually it, it just happens. So the, the conversation really moves in a different direction. And I think the reason why my first million works so well is that they have the same two people meeting. And I think it works much better compared to like one-off guests, right? Yeah, you don't have to build this whole narrative and context around the person. It's like, this is just, you know, right. this person. Exactly. you yeah. don't go to the to episode, whatever. Yeah, I think that works super well. Yeah, so this is just uh, thinking out loud what I've been thinking about because I, I would love to move like the podcast in that direction. Just, yeah, I'm openly admitting that it's shamelessly inspired my first million. That's the whole idea to do something like this. I think it would be really cool to talk again. Especially now, like uh, we don't have to talk about your backstory right. and all the yeah. and all. Yeah. You let me like we could we could schedule it however you want to do it. Maybe it's once a month or whatever cadence. Like this is your thing, so whatever cadence makes the most sense for how you sort of want to like build this. Uh, just let me know, and I'm happy to to pop in and give you some ideas. Yeah, perfect. Then yeah, I would love if this could like become a regular thing. Um, you be could cool. you you. Uh, could become my Sean. Oh, I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, okay, I, okay. I will always be your, your, your sidekick, whoever the, the... Not sure there. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm totally down. I'll let you sort of take the lead on the cadence, but I can always come with a couple ideas sort of teed up and ready to go. But yeah, I want. I definitely don't want to be the the idea machine. I want to hear your stuff too. So we could probably figure out how we, we go back yeah. and forth, take turns. I like that. Yeah, exactly right. If, if I can come up with a few ideas in your, it's much easier. To fill yeah. an hour or whatever. If it's just you coming up with ideas, of course, much of it. That sounds good. Yeah. I'll schedule some time on the calendar and then we'll see each other again. Yeah, perfect. See ya. Bye bye. All right, Jacob. See you, man.